truly make us. Welcome to the Ocean Hills podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, Ocean Hills. Hey, imagine being part of a community, a life-giving community, a new kind of community that wasn't perfect, but that was devoted to God, to the Word of God, to the Spirit of God, doing the work of God in the people of God and in the community and around the world. Imagine being part of a community that was devoted to studying God's Word together, to getting on our knees together, dependent on God in prayer. Imagine being part of a community that, uh, that hospitality and the spirit of generosity just kind of oozed and leaked out of that community where they broke bread together and shared meals together, let each other into each other's stories around food and uh, shared memories, making memories together. Imagine that. This is the new community that we see in Acts chapter 2 that we've been looking at the last several weeks. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says that they, it's not individual. I know in Santa Barbara, it could be a little bit of an individual, independent. I don't need the church. I got my own thing going on with Jesus. Read the New Testament. They... They, they, it's all about one another. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to conversations that matter, to what Delaney was just sharing, that the, the, the shared life together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to sharing meals or breaking of bread or the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And we've looked at three of those four. Today we're going to look at that they, they were devoted to breaking bread together. We love that phrase today, don't we? Don't we love it? Like, let's get together and break some bread, drink some wine. Let's get together. Like, it, 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 it says something. Like, I want to be together with others. But... In the New Testament and in the book of Acts, there was purpose behind it. It wasn't just to just kind of get together and try and be close. They got together and they shared meals together. And in this passage in Acts 42, it's interesting as you read different scholars' interpretation of this verse, it includes both. It could be one or the other. It could be they just gathered together around tables sometimes and ate together, broke they broke bread together. And there were other times they got together and they shared communion, the Lord's Supper together. And sometimes it was all in the same experience together. And then somebody would say, you know, let's not forget. We need to remember. Remember, Jesus told us to remember what he did on that cross. His body broken his blood shed. So let's break some bread and let's drink some wine in remembrance of him. 
And this morning, I want to have us focus on, some of you are looking, going, we're taking communion, it's not the first Sunday of the month. Well, that's okay, we can take communion, it doesn't have to be the first Sunday of the month. If you have a Bible, I don't have this passage uh, incomplete on the screen, so that's just a heads up for the person in the back. Uh, I didn't give you the whole passage. But we're going to look at, uh, I'm going to read for us out of Luke chapter 22. But here, here's just something I want you to think about before I read the scripture. That what we do here when we participate in the Lord's Supper it's more than a memorial service. You've been to a memorial service. I've actually been to like three in the last month. Somebody passed away and you gather in a church building or a room and you remember them and it's, but they're not there. They're not there. That's a memorial service. This is not a memorial service in and of itself. Sometimes we think it's that. It's more than that. One of the things they teach us in seminary is around the bread and the cup, it's, it's a means of grace. That the actual power and presence of Jesus, he's risen. He died and he rose. He's here. And when we participate in the bread and the cup, we can experience his presence by the Holy Spirit. He is in this place. And there's, and, and, and here at Ocean Hills, we love to embrace the word mystery. It's okay. Like, well, what do you mean? How is he more present at communion than at other times? I can't explain that to you. I don't know. But scripture teaches that this is more than a memorial. That we actually, as we celebrate his death and resurrection, we experience his presence. And so I just, just as you think about coming to participate today, to be open in a, in a new way to say, God, I want to experience your presence as I, as I take the bread and the cup and I participate in that. So Luke chapter 22, I was reading, studying, soaking in it, uh, some of you know I was in Austin, Texas all week with my daughter. And um, so I, can I just, not part of the sermon, just a proud dad. My daughter won the Rainmaker Award of Excellence. And uh, she's got like some uh, bougie free trip. Uh, so I'm just proud of her. She's just uh, a hard worker and God bless her. God bless her. It's fun to be there to uh, to be there with her when she experienced that. So Luke chapter twenty two. It's funny. I, I when I when I went to this, I was the the, line, the the way that this sermon is outlined today was not my intention. I just interacting with scripture and chewing on it and reflecting on it and simmering and soaking in it, talking to a few people about it, and uh, and here's what we got. Let me just read for us, beginning in verse. 19 of Luke 22, Jesus, he took some bread. He's with the disciples now. This is the last supper. He took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it in pieces and he gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Do this to remember, to remember, to remember, to remember what? To remember him. 
to remember Jesus, to remember his life, his death, his resurrection, his sacrifice. Do this to remember me. Verse 20. After supper, he took another cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. It's an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Poured out as a sacrifice. And if you have a Bible, I want you to underline those two words, for you, for you, for you. This is for you. That's what Jesus, this is for you. His death, for you. His love, for you. His grace, his forgiveness, it's all for you. And then the passage gets a little, I don't know, quirky, uh, funky, interesting. Verse 21. So he's just said, it's poured out for you. It's all, it's all good. It's all love. It's like, wow, this is amazing good news he's just shared. Verse 21, but. Whenever there's a but in Scripture, just pay attention. He says, but. Here at this table, sitting among us as a friend, is the man who will betray me. For it's been determined that the Son of Man must die, but what sorrow awaits the one who betrays him? Verse 23, the disciples begin to ask each other, which of them would ever do such a thing? Pause. The focus is like, oh my gosh, someone's going to betray Jesus, right? This conversation starts happening. They start looking around, wondering, oh, I don't know, are there any clues? And then notice what you notice. That's my favorite phrase when I study scripture. Notice what you notice. The very next phrase, verse 24, in the context of the Lord's Supper and everything, is like out of left field. And then they began to argue among themselves, about who would be the greatest among them. Hello, I, are you paying attention to what's happening here? These disciples, these Jesus followers, all of a sudden start competing and comparing. Who among them would be the greatest? In verse 25, Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and great men, they lord it over their people. And yet they're called friends of the people. Verse 26, but among you, it will be different. Church, I want you to hear that. But among you, it will be different. Following Jesus, your life's going to be different. It's going to be better. It's going to be, a, it's going to have a higher impact, greater influence. But among you, it will be different. How's it going to be different? Well, here he says it. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank. And the leader should be like a servant. And the leader should be like a, say it, servant. Verse 27, who's more important? The one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here but not here, but not here, but not here. Wow. And then he says this, for I, Jesus said, for I am among you as one who serves. 
What a fascinating passage of scripture all around the Lord's Supper. Talking about his sacrifice, his death, his resurrection, the meaning of it, and the impact of it in the way we live. That's what I noticed. And so the way I frame this talk this morning is remember his sacrifice. It means three things. Number one, it means that you're accepted as a friend of God. I don't know where you're at this morning spiritually. You may go, I'm not a friend of God. What does that even mean? Because of his death and resurrection, the word of God teaches us that if we put our faith and our trust in Christ for forgiveness and make a decision that we want to follow him, we're not perfect, but we're aimed, our life is aimed in that direction to follow Jesus. It says that we become a friend of God. Romans chapter 5, verse 10, it says this, we were, we were God's enemies, but he made us his friends. How did he do that? It says, through the death of his son. He made us his friends through the death of his son. You know, most of us spend our entire life seeking acceptance, applause, approval, right here, right now, coming to church. It impacts our desire, our hunger, our craving to be approved, applauded, accepted, these words, right? We want to be noticed, wanted. It impacts the choices we make, the yeses that we say, the clothes we wear, the decisions, the careers even that we make. We want it from who? Who do you want acceptance from most? Is it your parents? Is it your peers? Is it the people around you at work, in your friend group, at the gym, all around us? And probably every one of us in this room, there's something in us. The way we are hardwired, we want acceptance, but we look for it out here instead of up here. And Jesus's death on the cross, Jesus's love poured out, Jesus's, if a friend sacrifices for you, you feel loved. But it becomes kind of Christianese when you hear me say, well, okay, Jesus died for me. He, it just kind of went, goes right through you, over your head. Like, no, the Lord God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, sent his son as a sacrifice for you, the scripture says, so that you could become a friend of God. In fact, the last part of that, verse 20, it's, well, verse 20, it says, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you so that you could become a friend of God, forgiven, accepted. I love, uh, I love this Tim Keller quote. He says, and we don't have this on the screen. He says, this is the gospel. It's probably his most famous quote. This is the gospel. We are more sinful and flawed more sinful and flawed, you are, and I am. 
more sinful and flawed than we ever dared believe. Yet at the same time, we're more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. More sinful and flawed. That's the hurdle for some of us this morning in this room. I'm not sinful and flawed. Don't be judging me. I'm not lost and broken. Don't be judging me. I'm not, I don't know. What if I interviewed the people around you? What if I interviewed the people closest to you? They might say, oh, yeah, that, that, she's not self-aware. <laughs> she got some blind spots. She's sinful and she's flawed. He, yeah, he's a piece of work. <laughs> and the Bible calls it out. You and I are sinful and flawed more than we even are aware of. And yet we're loved and accepted more than we're even aware of through Jesus Christ. I love Beth Moore, what she said, this quote, she says, if our stubborn minds stop right there, you got a stubborn mind? If our stubborn minds would absorb that we're accepted by God because of Jesus Christ, pause, if our stubborn minds would absorb Soak in it, sink in it, let it become real. Accepted by God because of Jesus Christ. Here it is, the impact. It would change our life. Our choices and subsequent behaviors would be profoundly affected. We'd live differently. We'd lean into this God-given vision of leading differently and loving differently. So this is the first reflection as we think about when you come for communion, I want you to remember, 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 remember because of his sacrifice, because of his death, you're accepted and you're a friend of God if you want to be, if you believe this to be true, if you want to have a relationship with Christ, with the Lord God Almighty, it's true. He wants to be your friend. That's what the table, that's what communion reminds us of. Here's the second thing. Remember, his sacrifice means that you're not only accepted, you're adopted. Adopted into a messy but grace-filled God family. A messy. How many of you have found the perfect church with perfect people? Can I get a raise, uh, some hands? Wait, this church ain't perfect and filled with perfect people? Adopted into a messy. Some of you don't know our story. Natalie and I, 30 years ago, were so filled with joy. It was such a pleasure to adopt a little girl. The one that I just went to Austin, Texas with, 30-year-old now. 30 years ago, we adopted her. St. Francis Hospital right here in Santa Barbara. It was expensive. <laughs> we, had, we, we not only had kind of the, all the trying to get pregnant stuff for eight years, but then we had an adoption that every, everyone in the church, oh, just adopt, then you'll get pregnant. Never did. Tried to adopt, and the woman scammed us. Took, took thousands, like about 18,000 bucks from us. Totally scammed us, ripped us off. And then, you know, looking back, you can see God's hand of provision. 
And then we got connected to a different birth mom. And that's how we got Shannon. And it was worth it a hundredfold. Worth every dime times a million. She's our little girl, even though she's not a little girl anymore. She's all grown up. And guess what? Our family's messy too. <laughs> our family is filled with grace and filled with messes. We hurt each other's feelings. We misunder have misunderstandings. There are times we want to quit on each other just like you. That's part of real life. And what I see here in the scriptures is what happened at that table was that we get to become part of a family. We get adopted into God's family that's not perfect. But it's beautiful. It's messy. But it's purposeful. In that, in this family, we're called to grow up and grow in love and bear with each other and forgive each other and honor each other and love each other and one another. Ephesians chapter 5. I mean, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. Listen to this. I love this. So simple. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. How did he do that? By bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. He didn't have to do it. Scripture says what he wanted to do. And what? It gave him great pleasure. Just simmer in that. Do you know that your life, who you are, it gives God great pleasure to know you, that you belong to him, that you belong in his family. That's what he wants. I don't know where you're at spiritually. You might be sitting here going, I, I want that, but I, I don't think I'm part of God's family. But when you take that step and you say, I welcome Christ into my life, I believe what he did on the cross was for me so that I could be adopted into his family. Just like this verse says, God adopted us into his family by bringing us to himself through Christ. It happens through his death and resurrection. And we put our faith in that. We're adopted into his family. And we belong to him. Now, here's where it gets messy. I'm telling you the beautiful part. I want you to just notice again what you notice. Look at verse 21. He's just laid out, he's just laid out, you know, my body broken, my blood shed. It's for you, my sacrifice for you. And then he says this. But here at this table, there's that but word again, but here at this table, sitting among us as a friend is the man who will betray me. And then it's interesting, isn't it? Verse 23, the disciples began to ask each other, which of them would ever do such a thing? And then it's just so strange to me that next verse, and then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Messy family. Now, we can highlight Judas, because if you look in um, John chapter 12, 
John chapter 12, verses 4 through 6, it's also pointed out that Judas would betray Jesus, but it also points out that Jesus had, or that Judas had stolen some of the money, some of the kitty money that the disciples had collected. Judas was kind of dipping into that for himself. Judas, one of the 12, part of that inner family, core circle, friendship circle of Jesus. Messy family, messy God family. Betrayal, greed, deceit, stealing. There's even more. I mean, John 12 also says that Judas was super judgy. The woman who broke the perfume and was anointing Jesus. Do you remember what Judas said? What are you doing? This money could have been, this, this perfume could have been sold and, and what? And given to the poor. He's looking, he's judging this woman, Judas. This is the, these are the spiritual giants. The 12 disciples, one of them is, is just full of judgment, accusation, deceit, greed, betrayal. Messy family. And then the disciples. I'm sure they're like, you'd think they'd be like, oh man, let's, let's pray together. No, 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 they start arguing about which of them's the greatest. Competing, comparing, arrogance, selfishness, messy family. And I, I, I just want to remind us, messy family, messy family. This, this right here is a messy family. There's some of you today, I don't know what, where you were last night, but you're thinking, I can't come and take communion. Messy family, I'm, I'm unworthy. I got to get my act together before I come to communion. Did, remind me, did Jesus serve communion this Luke 12? Did he serve, was Judas at that table? Yeah, he was. Was, was. was Peter at that table? Who would, he was going to deny that he even knew Jesus. Ah, and Thomas, I don't think I believe this stuff. Jesus served them, the bread and the cup. Grace upon scandalous offense. That offends some of you. That's how wide the grace of God is. He believes in you. He's adopted you. He's accepted you in and through Christ. And he doesn't say, get your act together and then come to me. He says, come to me and then watch what happens in the way you act. And that's the good news of the gospel. I love, I don't, I don't know who said this quote, but I was sharing it. I was on a 18 mile run yesterday, this Tokyo thing that I signed up for. And uh, Chrissy and Brianna and I were out there running 18 miles and I shared this quote. I said, I can't remember what it was, but I love this quote. The, the sin that you, your signature sin, that sin that you can't forget is the sin that God can't remember. Think about that. I love that quote. The sin that you can't forget, you're beating yourself up over it. It's the sin that God can't remember. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, I will never again remember their sins. God, I don't, he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. 
you know, I did it again. No, 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 you asked for forgiveness. I, I don't even remember what it is you're talking about. The sin that's beating you up this morning, the one that you can't forget because of what he did on the cross, because of his death, his re- he can't remember it. He's got amnesia. All right, last reflection. This sacrifice, it means that you're accepted, you're adopted. And now here's where I'm going to, I'm going to push, I'm going to lean on you a little bit. I'm going to make some of you uncomfortable. You ready? You ready? You ready to be challenged? Some of you are like, man, kick me in the teeth when you preach. All right, here you go. Here you go. What I see in this passage in Luke 22 is that because of his death and resurrection, because of his sacrifice, we're accepted, we're adopted, but then we're accelerated into leadership. We're accept or accelerated into leadership through serving others, not through positional leadership, but through servant leadership. You don't just go, oh, yeah, great, praise God. I got accepted, I'm adopted. I got my hell insurance, I'm all good. No, 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 no. You don't have your hell insurance if, that, if that's all you think it is. Because God has a purpose for your life. And it's to become a leader who serves others. Look at that verse 25. He said to them, in the world, kings and great men, they lord it over their people, yet they're called friends of the people. But among you, it'll be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take their lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. And these disciples were not ready. They were not ready. I don't know if they were ever ready for leadership. They would have been kicked out of the church. We would have kicked them out. And Jesus says, no, I'm accelerating you into leadership. I want you to become like me, not positional, but servant. Matthew 20, 28, Jesus said, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. On mission together, serving our community, serving one another, on mission together, not for my glory, for his glory, not for your glory, for his glory. We're not going to touch the glory. He gets all of it. Paul said it this way. Scott Lasea reminded me of this verse uh, at our little thriving communities gathering. Ephesians 4.16. It says that God or he makes the whole body. The whole body's the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. How does he do that? As each part does its own special work. It helps The other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Now, I'm going to read it a different way. As each part says, I'm too busy. I I just want to be a consumer in your church, God. It helps the other parts be stagnant so that the whole body is toxic and dysfunctional and full of criticism. Now, which community do you want to be part of? 
Each part doing its work. That's you. Each part. That's you. Doing its work. What's your role in the body of Christ, in the family of God? What's your role? What's your responsibility? Where are you going? God made me for this. This is my sweet spot. I'm so passionate about this. I was made to do this. What is it? Figure it out. And you got to experiment. Sometimes you got to just jump in and you go, oh, yeah, that's not me. I'm going to try something else. That's okay. But you got to jump into the arena. So let me close with one of my favorite quotes. This, this quote early in my ministry, gosh, long time ago, 40 years ago, I read it. And now Brene Brown has made it famous uh, in her book, Daring Greatly, but it's the Teddy Roosevelt quote. I'm going to have it thrown up on the screen. And I want, I pray that God would speak to you as I read this. It's not the critic who counts. It's not the, the man or the person who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the one, the person, the man, the woman who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly with who errs, who, who comes short again and again because there's no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, listen to this, who spends himself or herself in a worthy cause, the kingdom of God, in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he or she fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his or her place shall never be with those cold and timid souls, those critics, those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. 2024, we're still in January, so I can still say I want to challenge you in 2024. I want to challenge you to live a life of daring greatly, to live from your identity as a child of God who's been accepted and adopted into his family. You don't have to earn, you can't earn his approval. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more or less. So receive that gift of grace and love. You're accepted by God as his friend. You're adopted into his family. And then from that, let that shape your identity so now you live beyond yourself as a leader who serves, as a leader who lifts others up, as a leader who gives others credit, as a leader who's willing to take the lowest rank, it says in the scriptures. There's nothing below you. You're willing to do whatever it takes so that the body of Christ, the church family becomes healthy and growing as each part does its work. Let me pray for us. And as I do, I want you to think about, as you come to the table, I'm going to invite you to take communion. But go ahead and 
Bow your heads for just a moment. I'm going to have the band come up. This whole message is really about remembering the cross, the sacrifice for you, for you, for you. That's the what. Christ died for you. You're accepted and you're adopted. The now what is, will you receive it? Will you let it touch you in the deepest places? Will you let him transform you with his truth? That you matter. You matter to God and you matter to us as a church family. And we want you here. And we need you here. God, we read in 1 Corinthians 11 that we're supposed to examine ourselves before we take communion. And so right now I want to invite you to just examine your own life. Where have you, what's the sin that you can't forget? Would you just quietly in your own heart, just confess that to the Lord. It's the one you can't forget. And after you confess it, it's going to become the one he can't remember. Would you just take a moment, examine your own heart. Where have you fallen short this week that you're going, I, I've sinned against God. I need, I need forgiveness. Take a moment to confess that quietly. And thank you for the promise in 1 John that says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us. Thank you, Jesus, that you will remember our sins no more. And now I pray that the truth of that would transform us, that we would live in freedom for an audience of one, forgetting forgetting the need to, to, to get the applause and approval and acceptance of the people around us. But God, I pray that you transform our hearts, that we'd walk out of here different because we know that we're loved, accepted, adopted, and now we can live a life and be a leader that serves others. And so heal us of our hurts. Help us to embrace the messy God family you've put us in and transform us by your love. We pray this in the name of Jesus, the powerful name of Jesus, amen. So when you're ready, you're invited to come. We have gluten-free stations at both ends. The very far one on each end is for those of you that uh, need a gluten-free station. And we have servers this morning, so you'll just come up. You'll be served. And uh, I think we have prayer team in the corners as well. If you want prayer this morning, I'm going to invite the prayer team to be over in the corners. When you're ready, you're invited to come and experience, experience the means of grace, the powerful presence of God in this place.